Well, I really want to think today about why did Jesus die? And the reason I chose that is partly because we're on week three of Alpha, and that's the topic for week three of Alpha is why did Jesus die? It's, it's an important topic. It's, um, dare I say, a thorny issue. Um, a difficult issue. It can, sometimes can have a bit of a heaviness about it, um, but I'm try, I'll try to avoid it being in any way heavy. But combining it with today's readings, where Jesus calls the first disciples, um, you can make a link with why Jesus died with that reading even. I can make a link with anything, to be honest, any reading in the Bible to why did Jesus die. But um, the disciples, I'm sure, those first disciples had no idea that Jesus was calling them to walk in the way of the cross and and that he was going to die and that they would die as well. Um, they had no idea when, when that happened. But we can see that uh, in, in the second reading that we uh, heard that Alec read from 1 Corinthians 15, quite clearly it says Christ died for our sins. Christ died on behalf of our sins. So sin is an issue. And if we go to the next slide, Chris, we can see that Peter, when, when Jesus comes into the boat beside Peter, they spent all night uh, fishing, haven't caught anything. But Jesus comes into the boat, spends a bit of time teaching the crowds, then tells them to push out. I mean, that's against everything that Simon Peter knew about fishing. You just wouldn't do that. He was tired, exhausted, would not want to do that. But somehow Jesus had made a difference by coming into the boat with him. And then, then they have this miraculous catch. And, and suddenly Simon Peter realizes that he's in the presence of greatness. He's in the presence of holiness. And he recognizes his own sinfulness as a result of that, which is captured in this verse. Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. Clearly, there's a need for sin to be dealt with. And as Paul says in First Corinthians, Christ died for or on behalf of our sins. So a very simple answer to the question, why did Jesus die, is to deal with sin. To die on behalf of our sin. To deal with the problem of sin. That's a big, that's a big answer to that question. But park that a minute and let's go on and think about one or two other things. Let's look at how Jesus responds to Simon's self-declaration of his sinfulness. Go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. How does Jesus respond? He doesn't say, yes, you're right, you need to do something about that. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say, that sin of yours is dragging you down, and until you sort it, I'm not going to have anything to do with you. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say, you can't be in the group, you can't be part of the kingdom until you've sorted your baggage. He doesn't say any of that. He says, what does he say? He says, don't be afraid. He tells him not to be afraid. So he he puts him at at rest, at peace. From now on you will fish for people. So they pulled up their boats on the shore and they left everything and followed him. There's something that we need to take seriously on board about Jesus' way of being with sinners. He wasn't frightened of it. He was attracted to sinful people. 
He was willing to get in the boat with sinful people, to be associated with sinful people, uh, so that everybody else could see what he was doing and who he was mixing with. He wasn't worried about that. Uh, And he doesn't condemn sinful people. He doesn't point out their sin. He doesn't give them a list of demands before they're in in the team. He just calls them and says, don't be afraid. Come and follow me. That's so there's a, there's a lesson for us. We need to continually be reminded that how Jesus treats sinners is how Jesus wants us to treat one another without condemnation, but with open invitation. Because when we are telling people about this new movement of grace that we are part of, it should sound attractive And it should be easy for people to become part of and not difficult. So why did Jesus die? Well, here are some of the things that we talked about in the Alpha course. And if we go into the next slide, some quick answers. Jesus died not only for our sins, but because of his refusal to be violent. He could have easily responded with violence or aggression to the mockings, the beatings, the way he was treated. But he didn't. He refuses to be violent. He refuses even to speak up for himself in the presence of Pontius Pilate. So you might, we might say that he died because of that, because of his refusal. He was also anti-empire, anti-religious establishment. He, he took a stand against any sense of lording it over the poor or um, making a fast buck. He didn't do any of that. He was anti-empire. It wasn't just because he loved me that he died. He was showing us, dramatizing, what love and non-violence look like. In other words, it might look like this. It might mean laying down one's life. That's the extent of love and nonviolence. That's where it might take people. That's where it does take people. Even today, people die because of the refusal to be violent and for their conviction of love. And he, he died to show us what it means to be fully human. Death is a part of life. He would not have been fully human, Jesus, had he not gone through death. He had to go through death to show us what it meant to be fully human. And then, of course, to show us life after death. We would never have known that had Jesus not risen from the death, we would never have known that there would be life after death. And then also, because it was the greatest love he could give to his friends, he said himself before he died, no greater love has one than laying down one's life for one's friends. He died also because as humanity's representative, as the perfect human, as the representative human being, as the pattern for our lives, that's who he is, he dies to break humanity's addiction to sin and wrongdoing because, and to set them free to love. That's what it, for me, that's what that means that Christ died for our sins. That's what he's doing. That's what he did on the cross. That's what he's done. That's what he's made possible to break that addiction 
to self. Now, there has been one dominating theory in theology since the Middle Ages. It's called penal substitutionary atonement. In other words, Jesus died as a substitute in our place because we were sinners. Now, on one hand, that's, that, that can be argued from biblically, but it's not necessarily a very helpful way of us understanding the cross and Jesus' death because it makes out that we start from a position of sinfulness and that somehow there's a penalty needed in order to pay the price um, for our original sin. Now, the, the, the critique of that would be that, well, if that's the case, in order to be saved, you only need the last few hours of Jesus' de death on the cross. You don't, the rest of his life didn't really matter. His healings, his restoration, his rehabilitation, it doesn't matter. All that matters is Jesus' death. And we know that's not the case. It was more than that. So I think the idea of penal substitutionary atonement that Jesus is punished because of our sin is a wrong idea. It's, a, it's an impoverished idea because it gives us the impression that God is a punisher. And that's not where I think we need to understand um, the cross. If we go on to the next one, Chris. Here's what Richard Rohr says about that. He said, it makes the cross a one-time tra transactional affair between Jesus and his Father instead of an ongoing transformational lesson for the human soul and for all of history. You see, I think to take up your cross and follow Jesus is an ongoing, lifelong process of dying to the things that we know to be wrong and rising to a better way of living. It's a transactional, a transformational lesson for all of us. And so the power of the cross is to give in the heart of the believer the courage and the ability and the means to deal with sin, which has already been dealt with by Jesus on the cross, but whose power is now available for us to deal with it too. So that's a big bigger picture of why Jesus dies. Now we can see the problem even in some of our modern worship songs, the words are not great. For example, in Christ alone, it says, till on the cross as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. I struggle to sing that line because it gives me the wrong impression of a God who's a God of wrath. Now, I can, I can understand that if we think of it as God's wrath towards sin, yes, because God hates sin and wrongdoing and evil with a vengeance. But too often we read that sort of text thinking that God's wrath is against sinners and not sin. So it's a difficult one. And some, some people have rewritten that line. And for example, and the next one, in how deep the Father's love, why should I gain from his reward? Again, some uh, translations of this song uh, change that his reward to all of this. Why should I gain from all of this? Um, because the idea of Jesus somehow receiving a reward for payment is a difficult one. And I'm not sure it's a good 
healthy understanding of what Jesus has done. And if we go on to even in our scriptures, our scriptures are sometimes not helpful. For example, the New Living Translation has been reworded from 1996 even. It says, for God sent Jesus to take the punishment for our sins in Romans 3.25. Well, that was changed in 2015 to for God presented Jesus as a sacrifice for sin. And the word, the word they are used is a translation of the Hebrew, which literally means to cover over or to pacify or to atone. That means to become one from Leviticus. So you can see that even in our scriptures, our translation of our scriptures, there are sometimes difficulty. If we go into the next one, here's what James S. Stewart. James S. Stewart was a Church of Scotland minister, moderator of the General Assembly. He was a very well-known theologian. Some of you will have read some of his books. There are some of his books in that cupboard there. Do you know we have a book library in the, in the corner there? Some of his books are in there. So if you want to read them, go there. He said this, he said, the death of Christ is not the remission of a penalty, it's the restoration of a relationship. That's what atonement means, at one meant. It's bringing together God and humanity. That's what the cross does, is a restoration of relationship, not penalty for a sin. It's restoration and rehabilitation and healing, which was the rest of all of Jesus' life. Was that, that's what it was all about. So we can see that I think that's a healthier understanding for us when it comes to thinking why Jesus died. It's not about punishment. It's about grace. It's about rehabilitation. If you've read The Shack, uh, William Young puts it like this. Uh, the God figure, the Father God figure is speaking. Initially in The Shack, the Father God figure is a woman. Um, as a West Indian mama uh, who's always in the kitchen cooking for the family. That's who God is in The Shack. It's not the Bible, but it helps us. She says, I don't need to punish people for sin. Sin is its own punishment, devouring you from the inside. It's not my purpose to punish it. It's my joy to cure it. Um, we know that when we've done something we know to be wrong, it can eat us up inside. That is, pun that is our punishment. We punish ourselves. So I think the right understanding or a healthier understanding of the cross is to see Jesus' death as a revelation of infinite love, not as payment that is demanded in God by God in order to make things right. It's a revelation of infinite love, not a payment demanded by God in order to make things right. And so words like retribution, punishment, ransom, sacrifice even, and paying the price are not really helpful. They're not helpful in our understanding of why Jesus died. It's hard to read that Christ died for our sins and not resort to these sorts of words like ransom or payment or punishment. But it is possible. We can have a more healthy biblical understanding of why Jesus died when we choose to use words like restoration, <coughs> rehabilitation, and healing. Here's one more quote from Richard Rohr. It says this, The cross is not the price that Jesus had to pay to convince God to love us. It's simply where love will lead us. 
Jesus names the agenda. If we love, if we give ourselves to feel the pain of the world, it will crucify us. This understanding of the crucifixion is much better than thinking of Jesus as paying some debt to an alienated God who needs to be appeased into loving us. In other words, whenever we choose to love, for example, a parent loves a child, the child is sick, the parent suffers with the child on behalf of the child, a husband who sees the wife diagnosed with cancer wants to take, take it upon himself rather than see her suffer. Um, that's where love leads us into that sort of willingness to take the place of the person who suffers in substitution. So it's that, and it's that preparedness to lay down one's life for, what, for others or one's friends which marks out the way of the cross for the believer. And we've seen it down through the centuries, people willing to lay down their lives, beginning perhaps with the book of Acts and the, the martyrdom of Stephen, who is stoned to death for his uh, faith in the way of Jesus, even down to our present day. And so in the Alpha Course, we, we saw on... I'll miss out that one's Chris. We saw, we heard the story of Maximilian Kolbe, who was in Auschwitz, and the Nazis decided that they would, uh, they would, they would uh, kill 10, 10 prisoners. They would take 10 out and put them in solitary confinement and starve them to death in a dark hole in the ground. And one man who was there, a, a, a Polish man who had said, he didn't want to die, and so Maximilian Kolbe was a priest. He would, took his place uh, in the ten, and in that two-week period where they were in solitary confinement in a hole in the ground, he led the other nine in prayers. Uh, there was partly joyful singing in that time. Uh, gradually, one by one, they all died. Maximilian Kolbe was the last to die, and after two weeks, he was given a lethal injection by the Nazis to kill him. But a man who is willing to lay down his life for his friends, he took the place of someone else in order to, uh, to set, set them free. Again, another picture, a good picture, of why Jesus died. So what is it that causes followers of Jesus to live and to die like them? What causes them to be prepared to take the place of others who are suffering? Well, I think that's the spirit of Christ at work in us. I think that's, that's what it means to be led along the way of the cross, is to have that conviction and that love in our hearts. One of the things we saw at the Alpha Course was we saw a short video, Darren's story, and um, it was really powerful. It really illustrates profoundly how God has dealt with sin and is dealing with sin, and in that transformation takes place in our lives, that it really does set us free from addiction and set our, set our lives on a new path. So that's a powerful story about how Jesus takes away our addiction to wrongdoing and sin. And we might be sitting here thinking, well, I'm not addicted to sin, but we, we're all sinners, and we, we all need 
that uh, healing, rehabilitation, restoration to take place throughout our lives. There's always some measure of healing that we need. So, very encouraging story that. Um, Let's just finish off by thinking one last reason why Jesus died. Jesus died because uh, self-surrendering, self-emptying love is who God is. It's the absolute demonstration of self-emptying. And if we are made in God's image, then it's who we are too, to give ourselves to one another and for one another. There's a verse in Revelation 3.18, I think we might have on the slide, which says, talks of Jesus as being the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the earth, from the creation of the world. Um, C.S. Lewis talked about this as being the deeper magic, the deeper magic from before the dawn of time, which cracked the stone table of death and raised Aslan to life so that he could work death backwards and breathe creation into life. There's a deeper magic than any evil that is out in the world, and that has been shown us in Christ. Love is that deeper magic, and it's because of his love for people like you and me that Jesus died. And the cross and the empty tomb show us that evil will not have the last word because it's been defeated and transfigured by the love of Christ, who in the fullness of time will unite all things together. So until then, may we take up our daily, on a daily basis, take up our cross and follow the way of Jesus. Wherever that takes us and leads us to, it will be worth going there. Let's pray. Lord, show us each how to respond to what you've done and what you're doing and help us to fall in step with your spirit on the way of Christ. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.